recording straight out of Five Scotland. You're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your host Stuart Sutherland and the one, the only, Magic Mike Christie. I was fucking waiting on you there. <laughs> Welcome to episodes 227 of the Films and Swear and Movie Podcast. It is IMDb season. Today we are clocking in at... To 148? Yes. No, 143. Ah. I think 148 was Wolf of Wall Street. Ah, right. Yes, today we're going to be discussing Guy Ritchie's Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. For which film did Kate Winslet win an Oscar for Best Actress in a Leading Role in 2009. Revolutionary Road? Incorrect. It was The Reader. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Got one for me? Yeah. Uh, what sport featured heavily in The Big Lebowski? Bowling. Mm-hmm. What would you go for? Best of three? Aye. Uh, Okay. For which film contained the line, You can't handle the truth! Yeah, few good men. Ding. Hey, which type of car was used as a time machine in Back to the Future? DeLorean. Yep. Uh, which film had the tagline, Houston, we have a problem? Apollo 13. Ding. Frenchie, Rizzo and Sandy are all characters for which film? Grease. See, I would never have got that, even though I've, I, think, I think I've seen it in school. No. Um, what is the name of the rabbit in Bambi? Oh, Thumper, eh? Yeah. Uh, I was ready to say, I was like, rabbit? Was it a rabbit? <laughs> I was. Who performed the theme song for Tomorrow Never Dies? Cheryl Crow. I had that CD. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many James Bond films did Roger Moore star in? Ooh, there's a good one. Could you name them? Um, I'll go with the number first. Five? Seven. Ah, I'm trying to say. Yep. Actually, I didn't listen to this, but I. Ah, bastard. That's three weeks in a row. Aye, no bad. These are fairly softball, I feel. Yeah. Sort of like, name of the rabbit, name of this. Like, that's that's alright. Okay. Time to start talking about the film. Aye, let's go. Alright, so obviously, the film. Is directed by Guy Ritchie. Do you, do you want to hazard a guess at what his top four are on IMDb? Um, Walkstock. Yep. Snatch. Yep. One of the Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm, the first one. And... It's not the new Robin Hood. I know that. Um, uh, did he do the new Robin Hood? Yeah. He did... Did the one with... What's his name? Taron Egerton. Aye, and uh, Jamie Foxx. Oh God, I I knew he did. Um, what you cry it? Legend of the Sword. Ah, King like, Arthur. Is yeah. it King Arthur. Aye. Aye. Maybe fucking Charlie Hunnam. 
I've never seen that. It was, de- it was. You could tell it was his directing style, just with the the way the guys kind of have the banter together and the, the flashy camera work. Yeah. Uh, his fourth one, I can rock uh, and roller. The man from Uncle. The Army Hammer and Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. I always, movie. I always remember the TV show. Like my dad used to watch it when I was fucking when I was wee. Aye. But I never ever watched the film. And his new film is actually in cinemas now. He is the director of Aladdin. What? Guy Ritchie. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, boy. It's cinemas today. Fucking Guy Ritchie's Aladdin. The Mickey fuck? Mouse just put doing fat stacks of cash. The fuck? Yep, he's in fucking Camp Disney now. I never have thought in exactly. a fucking million years that he directed that. Mm-hmm. You just think it's another one of the 30 John Favreau films that he does for Disney. Yeah. But, yeah, I was surprised myself when doing my research last night, but Aladdin is fucking Guy Ritchie's latest film. I mean, I wonder, like, if he personally approached Will Smith to play the genie or if it was... Disney approached him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like, we want a black man to play a blue man. <laughs> yeah. So I, I imagine that's gonna make some fucking coin this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I have no intention to see it. Like these live action reboots, whatever they are. Yeah. Like, they're just not doing. Not grabbing you. No. I mean, not even. I mean, like when you when you were a kid, like like Lion King would be great and all that, mm. but. Films are fine. They're, they're fun watches, but to, to, I guess that's it. It's maybe just the whole nostalgia thing. It's just trying to get. I mean, give me give me a live action Basil the Great Mouse Detective, then we'll talk. Fuck's sake! Because <laughs> that's it. You've had Beauty and the Beast, Jungle Book. Yeah. We've got Lion King. Um, I guess Cinderella was in there somewhere, and Alice in Wonderlands. Way mm. back when. That was before it was like a more prominent prominent thing. Uh, but yeah, this year you've got Dumbo, Aladdin, and Lion King. Yeah. So it's fucking burning through all like the A-level material quite quick. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see what they do I mean, I wonder next. if they would ever tackle a live-action Fantasia. Fucking hell. It's... Well, saying that, there's a fucking scenes that Dumbo movie will look a bit trippy. I think they've copied it across, but that's Tim Burton. So mm. you expect that I mean, you can shit. always, you know, go for the B-level one that we've seen in the shop, remember? Songs of the South. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, yeah, the the knockoff uh, Dumbo movie with David Arquette. Yeah. What's like, An Elephant's Life or something? Yeah. Uh, elephant Story. Who knows? Okay, so the cast to Lock Stock 2 Smoking Barrel features Jason Fleming as Tom. Dexter Fletcher as Soap, Nick Moran as Eddie, Jason Statham as Bacon, Steve McIntosh as Winston, Nicholas Rowe as Jay, Nick Marco as Charles, Charles Forbes as Willie, Vinnie Jones as Big Chris, Lenny McLean as Barry the Baptist, uh, Paul McNichol as Little Chris, and P.H. Moriarty as Hatchet Harry. Mike, tell me. What the fuck is Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels all about? Uh, let me get my notes up here. 
Um, so once he loses a dodgy card game where local gangsters, Eddie and all his pals decide to hatch a plan to get the money to pay the gangster off, which involves a shit ton of weed, mm-hmm. drugs, money, and rifles, two shotguns. Aye. Well, muskets, more like. Yeah, aye. So, um, I, I don't imagine this is, but was this your first watch? It's the nah, first time you've seen Lockstock. I think this is maybe maybe my third time all the way through. Right. So it's like I also remembered obviously a few bits about it, but it's kind of like it's not almost a first watch, but it's kind of like yeah, I, remembering bits that you kind of forget. I feel this was maybe like my second proper watch through of it, but to be honest. This film and Snatch kind of blurred a lot for me. So yeah. when I try and think back of Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, like, oh, that's the film where the black guy swallows the dog toy. Mm. No, it's not the man. It's the dog that oh. swallows the dog toy. It's, I Somebody swallows a chew toy. The diamond with the chew toy. Yeah. And I was like, <clears throat> wait a second. These guys aren't in this film. No. So aye, it was almost felt like a fucking first time watch again because I was expecting... Fucking Jason Statham would be cutting about with his wee sidekick. That's oh, no this movie. Yeah, Tommy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do you, do you have like an earliest memory of this film? Um, I mean, I remember when it come out. The the fucking reaction it had. Yeah. Um, and like, I think my dad like rented it. But I think I tried to watch it, and I kind of was just like, it's kind of boring. And then I never actually got like. I first proper watched till maybe about five six years later. Yeah. And uh, when somebody when uh, somebody one of my one of my old jobs was talking about it, and I went out and bought it, and I was like, "This is actually pretty good." Ah, because that's it. It's a it's a lot of build up. Like there's a lot of lock talking, planning things, and it's it's not like a heavy action. Yeah. Story, but it's just kind of it, it's like a fucking. It is a comedy in some aspects. Yeah. Because for, just for the fucking, some of the daft things that they get into. Mm. Or the way fucking some elements of the film are revealed. Yeah. But, um, so I, I what is your kind of, like, in a nutshell, thought of the film? Um, I, I think, obviously, the more you get older and the more you watch it, you kind of, like, get a bit more appreciation for it. I've kind of noted it as like a, like a British version of Pulp Fiction. Ah. Like how it's like multiple characters with different wee stories and yep. they're kind of like mashed together. Yep. And, uh, and there's, there's obviously something that's connecting like all of them. Yes, aye, that all kind of leads to that big climax at the end where everyone's involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd scribbled down some notes as I was watching it, so I'd written uh, a clever debut feature from Guy Ritchie shown a stylish storytelling mixed with over a dozen great characters. I wouldn't be surprised if people compared it to uh, Train Spotting or even early Tarantino back in the day. I was just thinking like that opening sequence where you had Bacon and uh, Eddie selling dodgy perfumes, then the police are chasing them and you've got that sequence of them running through the streets and time oh, slows yeah. down. Like that just looked like a page right out of fucking Train Spotting. Oh, right to start with that. They're all running for the polis. Yeah. But aye, this... I mean, the film is rough around the edges. Mm. It's one of these ones where you, you could tell it is a debut feature, because it's kind of like... 
some of the sound effects are a bit dated, like when you hear folk getting punched or how sometimes the guns go off, it's like old-fashioned sound effects being yeah. used. And even like the score at times seems like it's the same song gets repeated quite often. Mm-hmm. It's like just this just bit of rock music that seems like they fucking stole the soundtrack off a comic zone for the Mega Drive <laughs> and just fucking played that bit several times just to show the guys for walking from one end of the street to the other. Yeah. But through the fucking... Like the storytelling and how it all kind of comes together in the end, it makes up for all like any negativity that I had on the film because yeah. it it's the boy's debut feature. And then when you watch Snatch and it's like there you go when he's got the right back and like the money, the fucking the actors, you can make a fucking amazing film. Yeah, and Snatch is up there with one of my like top films like this. Exactly, and so many times I've seen that film and I never get like tired of it. Aye, and that's why I, I could compare it to like Tarantino because Reservoir Dogs was like a really, really small thing. Then like he was given sort of the money in the cast and they done fucking Pulp Fiction after it. Whilst obviously Reservoir Dogs isn't rough around the edges and it's the real fucking belt of a film itself. Mm. But um, so. Yes, this film has a fucking lot of people in it. Yeah. Maybe not famous people, but a lot of fucking characters. Because what we got, we got like the the four guys. Yeah. And like it was, it was great watching now, just thinking like, who in this film becomes a fucking huge star and ends up doing fucking uh, giant shark movies mm-hmm. in his future, fucking bacon. Yeah. I like how there's no origin story to that nickname, bacon. What's this boy done to be cried bacon? Is it just because that's his second name? And he's the fucking nephew to Kevin? I don't know. <laughs> but it's the fact that fucking like Eddie's dad is Sting. Aye, well, it's like that's like one of the notes that I've got. That um, it's like as the film goes on, and uh, and as you're a bit older, you kind of pick up people that yeah, you wouldn't recognise as a kind of kid. Big now, and, and it's like I mean, there's like a young Rob Bryden. Yes, there, like the traffic. Yeah, that was so fucking funny. Um, there was the fucking the cat for Red Dwarf. Oh, it, behind the bar. Behind the bar. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the woman that's in the ring in the poker table. I'm sure that was Honor Blackman. Right. That was uh, one of the original Bond girls, but I'm yeah. not entirely. Sh- I'm not entirely sure on each of that. Mm-hmm. But I mean. Like the same like as a total like, like who's who like British cinema. Yes. As it goes up. Because that's a Dexter Fletcher made a name for himself as well. I think did he not get pulled in to replace Brian Singer to do Bohemian Rhapsody? Aye. Yeah. So it's like how do you can because I've not looked into his filmography. So I'm, I'm not sure how much of a fucking director he is, but just to hear that he was brought in to fucking finish the film. Yeah. Or and fucking, I mean like. Jason Fleming's done a good few films. He's always yeah. one of the the actors where like he'll show up in like big like ensemble films like uh, war films, TV or... series as well. Yeah, I I noticed a few of them had credit for a uh, band of brothers. Yeah, and that uh, Jason Fleming's got like Jamestown and like big series on Sky One. He's still popping up in those. Yeah. So, um, but to be honest. Some of the fucking funniest characters in this film, I think, are the Scousers. Oh, Kenny and um, Gary. Yeah. Uh. Like, the whole, when they get sent on the fucking mission to go fucking get the rifles. Yeah. Because, what was it, Barry the Baptist told them to get 
like the cabinets and a- anything else, but make sure you get the fucking guns in the cabinet. And it's just as soon as he fucking hangs up the phone on him, what is he cries at? Uh, fucking northern monkeys. <laughs> and there on the other end, fucking southern fairies. <laughs> and that's it, this film is probably like in- insanely quotable. But I'm not going to dare fucking attempt to butcher any of the iconic yeah. lines of this film. But and I mean that's obviously when they when they show up at the house and they've got the the tights the, on, the tights on it and like fishnet tights. Yeah, and um, is it no? If Kenny has just paid like what was like, it two hundred quid for his fucking quid for a haircut or something? Aye. <laughs> and all he did is just push like a wee fucking like a wee bandana thing around his nose. I was like, ah, he just covers his fucking nose. And it's it's the shot where he's decided to torture the fucking people in this manner by what's it fucking trying to burn the soles of their feet? Aye. It's like a litten fags between their toes and he's sitting waving the fucking match and what was it? Mm. Kenny's like, Why? Every fucking job we do, you fucking do the feet thing <laughs> And and that's it. It must have been like the old fucking butler that had the the antique rifle trying to shoot them. Yeah. Aye, and it's just But also you get the scene where like they're walking up the stairs and it shows you their feet. Aye. And then, like, the camera stays for almost, like, 10 seconds, and all you see is somebody's, like, feet showing Following them. Aye. And that fucking shot's perfect, because when they shoot some, and then Pat the gun sends the butler flying, it's just Kenny with a fucking gunshot in his hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always, always laugh at that. Aye. And I like the shot where you got, it's a Gary's out in the phone box trying to talk to Barry, and Kenny's just... Like his toe was still in shock. Exactly, he just fucking is like, You're right, mate, get back in the car, just stay here. Come on, Kenny, you're right, pal, come on, it'll be okay. Like, talking to him like he's a child <laughs> that just had a big fright. <laughs> it's like, Oh shit. <laughs> he's just walking about with a big hole in his hair. Still smoke smouldering. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus Christ. Aye. Uh, and that's that, there's so many, like, what was it? Is it Nick the Greek? Is that one of them too? Aye, Nick Where, the Greek. He's the one that... Um, like, uh, in in the fucking tier, they're all... Like, the four guys are low level. Nick the Greek's the next level above them. And then when you see him having his meetings with the the black dude with the afro... Oh, um, Rory. Aye, like, fucking Nick the Greek's shitting it every time he meets him. And uh. it's the amount of... The, the running gag of the coffee table. Hmm. They give him a wee fruity cocktail and he drops it and fucking shatters the last coffee table. <sighs> then the second meeting, what does he do? Fucking goes to pull and there's no replace the glass and the drink just falls right through <laughs> the table. And then the third time, he's feeling because he's even just standing at that point and the bodyguard walking out with a drink sees it's him and just walks back slowly. <laughs> like, he's not going to give him a drink. And it's just the fucking comedic timing on the guy. You just see uh, looking in his eyes going, oh no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> Aye. I mean, that's when you can kind of like compare it to like Pulp Fiction and that. Aye, these, so many all stories. These different characters, all these stories and all that. Because mm-hmm. wasn't it, he was fucking buying a knockoff uh, stereo from Aye. the guys to begin with, and he was giving the fucking f- the fries mobile phone. Throne? <laughs> mobile phone. Yeah, what was it? It was like a stereo without the speaker and then without the amp and all that. Aye, so this is 900 quid and you're getting it for 200 and you. And it's when they're arguing about cash, and they pulls the thickest wad of notes, and like, you cheap bastards. <laughs> Aye. Um, and then you've got like the posh, uh, tough, like fucking weed dealers. Uh yeah, just like 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 burn out fucking like 
uni students. Exactly. If the film was made in Scotland, they'd come for St Andrews. Aye. <laughs> uh, and I love the, the running gag about, the, what was the girl friend, Holly or something? How it's just her just fucking just blending in with the couch. Yeah, it just appears out of nowhere. Scaring the fuck out of Plank. Like that, that boy's destined to play a pirate his whole life with that fucking voice. <sighs> like I could just... He, I've never looked into his filmography, but he just, like, he would be like, fucking perfect. He's got that fucking... That raspy wee scallywag voice. Yeah. But it's just when he fucking shits himself when he goes to sit on Holly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's... The, and the fucking payoff to that when they're robbing the fucking... Yeah, the weed dealer. Ah, the grow house. And she just pops up out of the couch... Picks off the big, the big fucking assault rifle gun, heavy artillery fucking machine gun, and that's where you get to see some like the stylish filmmaking as well. Yeah, where the slow mo. Slow, aye, and it's just her, and it's it's the thing like this film is late nineties, but the fucking copy I watched like it was so grainy and it it worked with the film because it it doesn't need to look like a, a nice fucking polished Hollywood movie. Like this is just some dude's fucking debut feature film so the fact that it looks a little bit fucking grainy works in its favour but I just remember it when it goes slow motion and you just hear see her fucking shaking as the fucking gun's going and then the shot of all the bullet shells hitting the carpet and it's like sounds like big fucking cast iron shells going it's like a church bell fucking ringing and it's all the guys diving in slow motion (laughs) to avoid the fucking spray of bullets yeah and I mean, like, that's, like, as we were talking about, like, last week when we were doing Wolf of Wall Street, we like, um, like, Scorsese's style of directing that, like, obviously that's, like, Guy Ritchie's style of directing, because when you watch, um, like, say, Snatch, you know, like, his kind of style and that, where it's a lot of, like, cutaway things, like, and Snatch, where they try to uh, rob Finney Jones in the pub. Yeah, and then he talks about the gun he's got, and it just shows you like, like a close up of like the gun title. Oh and yeah, that, and there's an ego and all that. Ah, and it's a lot of fucking quick editing, and it's Aye. all showing you the exact detail of the gun. And the the slow mo kind of becomes like a Guy Ritchie thing as well. Like remember when Brad Pitt's character gets knocked out, and he Aye. time slows down as he fucking goes level in midair, and yeah, uh, I can imagine. Well, that was a big thing for. Uh, Sherlock Holmes as well when Robert Downey Jr. processed how the fight was going to happen Aye, and yeah. then the, the fights would slow down and sit and fucking knock boys teeth out yeah so I guess that maybe does become one of his traits as a director mm. um, let's see but I mean the fucking that like the, the hard gangsters in this film like Harry Harry the Hatchet Aye, and Harry. Barry the Baptist <laughs> like how fucking perfectly cast those guys are. Yeah. Like, Barry especially. Like, that looks like one of the fucking scariest fuckers alive. Well, until you see the fucking end credits and realise he died yeah. right after this fucking film was made. But that's where it's like, I would not have been surprised if he was like a real-life fucking East End gangster. Yeah. Because he just had the look. Like, this fucking bald yeah, head. Oh, that fucking that. grisly voice big hulking fists is like yep it looked like the real life version of the thing like from the Fantastic Four uh, <laughs> no makeup required just slap this boy in blue spandex and there you have a fucking uh, scary ass superhero but I like even though like, at the end where 
it's it's not fucking Harry the Hatchet, but it's fucking Barry that pulls it the fucking hatchet and yeah. throws it across and taking it to the fucking Scouser. But honestly, when it's a uh, the big sequence when Eddie goes to do the fucking card game that they've all saved up for. Yeah. Like, what was the goal they were looking for here? Were they just looking to get a bit of profit? Aye, on the fact that they've all saved up twenty five grand each. Yeah, like fucking hell, boys, get that. And how big a return were they fucking expecting? And it's not until you see the fact that they've got the video camera and fucking Harry's playing a fly one on them all. You're Aye. like, oh, these boys have fucking scraped hard to get this money, and they're just getting fucking scammed. Yeah, and I mean like. Um, Eddie's flat is an absolute bomb site. Aye. And that kind of reveals like his dodgy neighbours where it's other sort of low-level gangsters with their own operation. And to be honest, I thought the guy in charge of the operation was the dude from Shaun of the Dead. Remember how Shaun had a flatmate and he was like naked in the shower? Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Aye. I think he plays the tech on the Amazon, like the tech TV series. Can't remember the boy's name, but the guy, his fucking flatmate for Shaun of the Dead. Alright. But it wasn't him. This dude was made around in the face. And it just kind of looked like, I reckon, like local actors. It didn't look like. Yeah. There's not names we know today, but. Mm. It's some fucking intimidating folk in the film. Mm. Like, their thought is like, man, you'd never want to have him as a neighbour. And it's just the fact that they had shared that fucking air vent. And they could just hear all the fucking dodgy dealings they plan. I thought, and it, it, it's it, it's all kind of foreshadowed. Well, it's like right, and when they realise we need money, it's like well, fucking listening into your dodgy neighbour and fucking planning to hijack their hit was fucking genius. And that's like, this film has a fucking amazing story to it. Like, well, it's a it's like a lot of plates are spinning because you've got that. So you've got the the stuff with the weed dealers. You've got the the black guy who owns the the Samoan was it Samoan Joe Samoan Joe's aye Samoan Joe's and it's like it's a Samoan pub it's like with beer it's like no just cocktails <laughs> and I can't even mind oh, what was the line he said oh what was it a fucking bacon says aye something about oh, I want a fucking aye, cocktail like, aye like you would find like an orangutan in that bowl or something aye <laughs> <laughs> and that's it his fucking dialogue I don't know if it's ad-libbed or all written for him but his fucking dialogue was perfect in this film yeah. it just seems so fucking authentic and funny as fuck really but it, it's the whole sequence where when they get sent to the fucking Samojo pub and you have some dude running out fucking covered in fire yeah. screaming like alright oh, rough joint and there's no until later on you find it nah, you get the fucking why. backstory that he's trying to what did he want to do? It was something to do because Bacon was asking, could you tell him to turn the volume down? It's like, I wouldn't bother messing with him today, pal. Aye. Uh, <laughs> uh, now, um, but it is, there's a lot of fucking cogs going on because the whole issue with the guns and it's as if you're trying, if mentally trying to keep on top of the story as it goes because obviously the Scousers get the guns and they sell it to Nick the Greek who sells the guns to fucking Eddie and his pals mm. and they're just constantly and it's like little do they know they're they're pissing about with fucking weapons that could be worth what was it like 1.5 I said it well oh Harry Harry said because it was going to be an auction wasn't it yeah and they're expecting them to go for about 
like one point five million dollars, but they're both valued at hundreds of thousands of pounds each, mm. and like they're they're just fucking be tossed about in a boot, and they're all looking like, what the fuck is with? Ah, sure, the guns look nice, but what the fuck? I want to scare people. Like, I think was that like Tom's thing, just saying like, really? Uh, like I want something to like they're gonna fucking laugh at me if I hold up these guns. And then like, also like in in a month or the middle of this, you've got a uh, Vinnie Jones is like the yes. enforcer. Aye, yeah, like um, big Chris, little Chris. Yeah, aye, and that's it. Just because who does he fucking collect from? It was one the guy of in the sunbed. Yeah. And that's because he's one of the next door neighbor stooges, is it? Like Nick, yeah. I think. Alright, so Nick fucking owes. I reckon, I reckon who he owes the fucking money to, but they send fucking Chris to go collect it. And it is great, we're just. It's almost like a Tarantino trunk shop where he's open up, but it's actually a right. fucking sunbed. And every time he gets the wrong answer, he just fucking gets the lid slammed down on his pus. And it's like, nope, three times. And it's, oh, for fuck's sake, hey! I've got a child here, watch it. And then he's like, go look for his wallet. And he's like, fuck's sake, Nick, that's a lot of money. And it's like, what the fuck? You don't use those fucking words. But it's just his real reaction. like, fuck's sake, Nick. It's the fact that like, he actually brings his son along with him. When he On does the jobs. His jobs and, and it's almost like he like, can't afford the babysitter. Exactly, just fucking brings him and learn the family trade. And do, the, I can't remember, does he play the same character in Snatch? There's nah, Big Chris, Little Chris. No, nah, his character in the Snatch is Bullet Tooth Tony. Oh, he's yeah. Like, like gold, like gold teeth and all, like metal teeth or something. Yeah, I'm positive fucking Snatch is in like the top 250 on IMDb as well. Because mm, how could it know? Yeah. Like, it's it's like the the evolution of fucking Lockstock. It's, it's, it's one of these rare occasions where if it was... Is it considered a sequel? Not really. It just sort of like... <laughs> follow-up feature from the same director. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, because obviously it's got Vinnie Jones, Jason Statham, mm-hmm. um, probably a couple other people. Ah, maybe in small roles. But, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, it's... The only part where I actually feel for his character is when it's all really kicked off at the end and Chris ah, gets yeah. into his car and I want to cry the guy Dylan or Darren. Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Dog. The, Aye, the, the guy with the scar. Aye, yeah, and he's already in the fucking car with a knife, holding it to his kid's throat, and he's like, yeah. "Oh, you didn't want to do that? Not, not if any chance." <laughs> and of course, like when they have that fucking car accident, like it's clearly done deliberately, just to fucking hammer fucking dog, and it just when he gets him out, and it's just, I know it's like the the music that plays. It's almost like when I was watching it today. Um, I was doing something on my phone and I, I heard the crash and for a split second with the type of music that was playing I thought um, like we Chris had died or something I got hurt aye because like, it's we, quite like, like opera he, and jet, like aye. choir boys and like we like his reaction as well aye like, and then of all course. of a sudden you see him like climbing the car and I'm like oh yeah aye and just fucking dogs like just, let's just put your head here and now let's shut the door again aye. And again, and like, I'm glad. Like, nowadays, they probably would have fucking showed you his head. Like, yeah. fucking, like, films like Drive and that, they would fucking show you the the mushy... It was like a fucking Halloween, like a smashed pumpkin for a skull. Like, oh, yeah. Christ. But like, his fucking character, I like how he 
like when he starts winding up the the guys, where he's showing up because that's it. Fucking Barry's hiring him. Say, so, well, these boys, so they get me was like a million dollar, a million pounds, uh, and it's like for every day they're not. We're taking a digit off yeah. the four of them, and until they, until they pay up exactly. So he keeps sending Chris to go fucking remind him of that fucking mm. message, but it's when Dog tries to do the first hit on the the weed dealers, uh. and they fucking forget that they've got this this fucking big fucking cage on the door, which is fucking smart for them, but it's it's the unlucky cunt that goes down to see them because Plank's like the wee middleman between them. Mm. And it's just when they hold him at gunpoint, how he just fucking faints. <laughs> and they fucking drops the keys. Yeah. And it is, it's just like, you just wonder, like, I completely forgot Dog just like picks up the boy's foot and oh, shoots and it. shoots his foot. And he's like, oh. And to be honest, now you don't get to see that shot, but I'm you see, thinking. You see the aftermath later on. Aye, the fucking bloodied puddle and the fucking blood-soaked trainer. But that's probably a good cost-effective way in, like, in doing like your first feature film as well. You yeah, don't want to yeah. spend money on big prosthetics and showing all, like fucking special effects, I mean, makeup. Like, like it's like a, a really weird like colour he goes with when he does the film as well, like, with the camera effect and all that. Like there's no full-on colour. It's like a kind of rusty, yes, like, rusty feel. Yeah, yeah. It's not quite like a sepia tone, but it's definitely it's it's. Tinted in a way. Yeah. But, but I mean, that's when also after they like shoots a guy's fit, it's the boy with the black hair just pulls out this big fucking like heavy LMG which causes his brain gun. <laughs> and I mean, how like how nobody's heard that in Fort yes, Polis? Exactly. Because it just seems like a fucking tank. I know, exactly the fucking damage that does. And that brings up the fucking driver as well. And that's where you get that wee genius. I was fucking certain that can I was certain to a tea the day before I had done my notes that he was Oh, what's his name? Ah oh, keep going, I'll find his name. Um, um but it leads to the fucking genius little Rob Bryden cameo. But he's outside writing a ticket. And the guy's like, oh. It's like, oh, you're only supposed to be here for a minute. And he's like, yep, but I've been here for 15 minutes. And he's like, well, we've just got to be finished when we load the van. And it's just how he walks him around. He's like, we get all this grass. Get you in the van. And he's like, me? He's like, yes, you. Thump. And it just rolls him in. <laughs> and it's just a reoccurring gag when they're driving a boot. And... And it's like, right, we've got to drop off the fucking weed, the money, and the traffic warden. It's like, traffic warden? And it's not until it's the four boys driving the car, and they realise, I fucking hate traffic wardens. They all start fucking dropping elbows on them. But it's just the fucking shot of Bryden, where they're talking about traffic warden, and then they just pull his head up in amongst all the fucking bags of weed. And it just reminds me of that one shot in Kung Fu Hustle. Where Stephen Chow and his pals getting battered by the guy with spec glasses uh, and they're trying to bat in their heads and lifts them up and like there's this, this exasperated look on their face before they get fucking smashed back into the bench. They just lift his face up and then just fucking punch him and put him back to him. It's just all these oh like they can't even knock him out. So just all these fucking groans as they're fucking laying lumps into him. 
I mean, we don't really talk much about um, like Sting, that's um, Eddie Dagos, GD's probably. Yeah. But his, like, obviously, if he doesn't pay back um, Harry, like, the pub will basically be. Yeah, he's got to lose his fucking pub because his son. I mean, the thing is, like, like his. Um, like, the way that he goes about, like, talking to uh, Chris is almost like it doesn't really. It's like he's not scared of, like, losing no, the pub. No, no. Yeah. He's obviously been a fucking, not an ex-con, but like a, maybe a gangster back in the day, and he's went straight and fucking opened a pub with what money he yeah. had left. I mean, I think, I think the most, I think, and when I was watching it, like, my most interesting character was Rory Breaker. Yeah. Just because, of, like, he looked kind of quiet until obviously you found out, like, what happened. And yeah, the and all that. aye, and it's the fucking what the the, the copious amounts of the boy's clearly using some so glow in that afro. Because like, you always see fucking the shine. You see the shine there. Exactly. <laughs> I'm surprised they never done that fucking gag for coming to America, sitting on the couch, and stands up and he's left a wet patch on the cushion. <laughs> <laughs> but what I do like about um, Rory Breaker is his two stooges. Aye, one of them is fucking. You don't even see his face really. Aye, and that's the joke for like half of it because it's always like um, you always get like his upper body and like Nick the Greek sitting down, so you just see the 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 big muckle hands. <coughs> but it's it's just the the whole fucking chaos where or the audacity when they fucking steal the weed from dog and give the sample to Nick who gives it back to Rory <coughs> and he's more or less trying to sell him back his own weeds. Yeah. And he's like, oh, shit. And you just think, fuck. Because it's, it's when he gives it to his parents, like, go take this to our, the three, like, what was it? Hannah and the three little chemists or something uh. he says. And you just think, three, oh, shit. And you just realise it's went full circle. It's the fucking three toughs. That's, that's his weed dealers. That's it. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> And it's just thinking, and the amount of things like, oh, this is, oh, this is gonna come back and bite them in the arse. And I mean, I reckon if the only thing we could talk about now is the, just the this last half hour, yeah, where it's it's just like that great song where it's just like, dun, 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 like I can't do it, but it's just like where they're all slowly driving and it's cut and end sequences of the four guys telling dirty jokes in their car. Then you've got uh, Rory and his guys armed up to the fucking teeth and driving to Dog's house. And it's just all this music that's getting slower. It's getting a little bit faster. Faster. And they get there and the big fucking shootout. Because uh, it had to be in Eddie's house. Because obviously Eddie was the next door neighbour to Dog. And they were all waiting in there with the guns for Eddie and his pals to come back to get their stash. Aye. But it wasn't Eddie and his pals, it was fucking Rory, Rory and his fucking henchmen. It's just yeah. chaos. Actually, jumping ahead, I love the jumping back a step. The fact when Dog and his pals are freaking, it's like, how the fuck did they know? Like, how has this happened? Where is it? And he just, he's that he fucking have... plank and throws Aye. them through the fucking <laughs> plasterboards. And the it's filmed so fucking well where the camera's on the other side of the wall and it just, bam! His head's in, his fucking three microphones around his face. It's like, <laughs> he just fucking realises he's just cottoned on exactly what's fucking happened. And it's like, it's like that fucking moment. It's like, man, this film's fucking brilliant. 
Mm. I fucking love this. And you just think, and it's like you're saying, it's like, like oh, the total foreshadowing. Yeah, and it's it's just you're just thinking, oh shit! And the next shot, you just see dog wiping plaster at his hair, so he clearly stuck his head through to double check what fucking plank had said to him. But it does it. It skips it on like the big fucking messy gunfight because I'd imagine as a filmmaker or maybe a produce, producer, it's a nice uh, it's cost effective. Isn't yes, it? and it's just left your imagination. That a big fuck off shootout is going on. You get the aftermath of the two bodyguards sitting with bullet holes riddled. Aye, everyone's dead, and the, the, it's uh, just Rory on his own, isn't it? He goes Aye. to pull across plank, plank, and he's, he's fucking sawn off shotgun in his hand. Yeah. Aye, and it, it's just that oh, fucking messy because you've got dog upstairs with the money. Aye, getting rid of it. And the weed trying to get away, and that's where he meets fucking big Chris, and he just yeah. fucking. Thump, puts him down and it's just it's like that's going on and then you've got the fucking guys coming home and they're they're fucking I can't remember they're they're fucking petrified do they not get like a phone call uh, they get a phone call for fucking Harry because he's ended up with a fucking half a million yeah. thinking that well I've just found this this looks like it was meant like this looks like it was your money for me but give me a phone anyway, and right enough. At that point, that's when the fucking scousers show up, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, to try and get rid of Harry. Aye, because they're... Because why the fuck are they going to... Harry, because they don't know it's Barry is working on behalf of Harry. Yeah. So they show up because this cunt's now got their rifles that they want back, isn't it? Aye, because they find how much they're worth. Did they? I didn't think they found out. I think they no, were trying to get the no, guns back bad. to get them back to Nick the Greek. Aye. To give them back to fucking Barry to give them to Harry. <laughs> I know, it's just a long-winded fucking <laughs> way of He's taking the guns off them for eventually to end up giving them back to him, but fucking Gary gets shot. And he gets... And then fucking Kenny's raging just runs through, Aye. fires fuck out uh, Harry... And that's when fucking Barry pulls at the hatch and fucking kills yeah. him. But as, as, does he know, like, fucking aye, managed yeah, one shot, shot off. Him, aye. And it is, it's just when Eddie goes in to fucking talk to Harry and just realises, oh, cunt's dead. And there's a fucking million pound line on the desk. There's those antique rifles. Like, cause is it uh, Eddie Tom. and Tom? It's Tom. Just that's, Tom. It's Tom that's got the rifles. And yes. It comes across, um... Eddie fucks off with the money, Aye. gets back in the car and thumbs over the rifles and... He bumps into Chris. Yes. And he sees him with fucking two loaded rifles. A, and... I slightly say I slightly foreshadowing because um, Nick the Great earlier in the film talks about that if you point that to anybody, they will absolutely shit themselves and they will do whatever you tell them. Aye. And then it, it obviously comes up with the, the guy that's like narrating that wee bit and he's like... Aye. Tom thinks he's winning this one. He's like, however, Tom fucks off with the guns. Mm-hmm. But fucking Chris leaves with it. Chris, Chris has the money. Chris has the money. Aye. Because remember, they're in the pub. Yes, aye, because <laughs> they they had the money and then Chris drives into the back of them, knocking them out. And he opens the door and he's like, you all right, boys? He's like, cheeky bastards! <laughs> Grabs the fucking bag of cash. And leaves, because they just had the rifles, they never had the money. Yeah. Because 
No, because uh, I, man, it, it's like one of those things, like, did this happen? It's, you feel like it it's that fucking meme where Charlie Fall was sunny with the red string working in the mail office and he's just fucking crazed. Like, that's what I'm like trying to like explain this film clearly to someone, but it's to the point and where they're the fucking. They're getting, where Eddie's getting interrogated with the police. Yes. And fucking Rob Brydon's there in the background with fucking big black eyes. And it's, it's, it's when they get to the fucking pub at the end and they're like, oh, right, okay. And fucking big Chris walks in, yeah. realises, obviously, I've taken some money to take care of myself. Here's the rest for you. I, I believe this belongs to you. And it's like, absolutely. And of course, they're thinking, money. Open up. And it's absolute fuck all. But Chris has treated us like a nice new flash car. Yes. And set him and his son up for the rest of their days. I think when they were leaving, it's like, we're now in the money lending business. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. But do you think Chris knew the rifles were worth a chunk of change, so that's why he left the fucking uh, auction brochure in there as a wee token to them? So, that's, well, what th- that's what I think, you know. I you think boys that's been could, left for a reason. Uh, you boys could have a look at that. And, and you make made money. That way. I've kept the cash. You can make your money off of that. Because it's not like he's just left an envelope in there by mistake and it yeah. just happens to reveal. But by that time, they've all fucking shouted at Tom to go destroy the only bit of evidence that leads them to this fucking mass murder case. And you're like, well, you, the viewer, already know, like, right, fucking go chuck them in the river. And it's like, oh, man, those guns. I wish they knew about the guns. And then he hands them their book and they open it. It's like, <gasps> and it's the realisations. They're flipping through it, flipping through it. And then they're seeing that the cuts right to the fucking number the amount of money, like, oh, fuck, Tom, Tom, and they're all scrambling, fucking Eddie puts the phone in, rings, fucking battery dies, and he's screaming, and he's fucking fighting with Bacon to get his phone, yeah. and Bacon's obviously quite fucking protective of his property, so he's fucking shouting back at him, saying, don't like, fucking mind your manners, and then it's just shots of fucking Tommy parking up, opening the boot, looking at the rifles, and he's like, the look on his face is like, it's a shame wraps them up, puts them on the edge of the fucking bridge, and they're all fucking still fighting. No, it was uh, Dexter Fletcher's character Soap. and Ed, I Soap and Eddie that were fighting over the phones, and fucking Bacon's in the background dialing on his wee flip phone. And it's the fucking effort that Tom's went to because he shoves them over the edge, and you, to you, you're like, fuck! There goes the money, and it's just the reveal that they're lying on the ledge on the other side of the bridge. Is like, oh, for fuck's sake! Like the suspense, like you are fucking killing me. Just, and it's just the the, the fucking effort he goes to where he leans over the edge to try and tip it. Takes the big chunky mobile phone. You can tell it's a film of the nineties with the fucking phones they're kicking about with. Sticks it in his mouth, and he's about to slip off this fucking bridge because his fingers hang yeah, off that lamppost. And the phone rings. Uh, and it just freeze frames or yeah. it just fades the black it's, it's, it's like an open ended exactly we got a fucking inceptioned it's like how do we know like is this a success story or is it a fucking giant failure you just, you're just like oh Jesus yeah. but it's just a fucking great ending oh. look I feel I've talked for like 45 minutes now yeah. <laughs> uh, is there any notes that we've completely uh, missed you did touch on something there when they were talking about uh, the guns where they had the, the the fucking rhyming slang and they bring up the English subtitles Aye. to try and translate that for the audience. That was a clever wee bit. 
I quite like that. No, I think that's really. I think the only thing I'd kind of left was that like this kind of kickstarted the trend of like British gangster, gangster movies. Gangster films, uh, if if you will, because I mean, Aye, well, so they've always kind of been around, but maybe. Sure. Would you say style like glorified British gangster? Ah, because I mean, when you think of like British gangster films, you would probably think a uh, um like. Get Carter with Michael Caine. Uh, right, aye. Is it the one Good Friday with Bob Hoskins? Yep. Still never ever got around to seen that. No, I think I have a copy of it, but I still have um, it. But like films like that. And then exactly. Like is... 70s, 80s. Yeah. This was sort of like a, a revival, almost. Yeah. Because uh, you had that. Uh, one I've never seen yet is Sexy Beast. Ray I've Winston. seen that. I should quite like that one. Uh, would that be classed as a like, British gangster film? Aye, because I mean, it's, it's to do with the, like, the criminal underworld and all that, and there was yeah. like all these early, what was it, it was like Gangster Number One and stuff like that. I, and, I heard folk talk about that film, aye. Yeah, uh, there's, there's another one with Robert Carlyle and Ray Winston for the early 90s as well and stuff, but mm. like you were saying, like, like that kind of took over. Yeah, that fucking blew up, and then you had obviously Snatch, and then you got, um, you see it as a box set quite a lot. Back in the day, it was always uh, Lockstock, Snatch, and Layer Cake. Layer Cake, aye. Whereas, like, okay, maybe a similar style, and also you had a, a young Daniel Craig. But, um, as well, like, um, it was that Matthew Vaughn that directed Layer Cake. He aye. produced this, mm-hmm. and he, um, he had a cameo, and uh, he was, I see the bit where, um, Dog wakes up after getting knocked out by Chris. He's a young guy in the car that Dog holds out. Oh, aye, aye. Aye, because that's how he goes in the fucking chase. Yeah, I was surprised he didn't batter the fucking guy. Just, just like, opens it, <laughs> chucks him down, jumps in his car. Um, But aye, this totally kind of revived the, the British gangster scene. Because rock and roll, there was one after it, but was that rock and roll more was American? A, it was like late um, 2000s mi- sort yeah. of thing because it mixed up you had Jeremy Piven at that point then kind of of an unknown Gerard Butler yeah Gerard Butler um, was that Tom Hardy post or pre uh, 300 uh, when was 300 oh, that's a good while ago now uh, Rock and Roll was 2008 that was like I think folk deemed that as like Guy Ritchie's return because did you ever get rid of watching that revolver? Yes, I rented revolver it. Revolver was, f- oh, it was, mm. it was just too much going on. Like I had high hopes for it, and I remember I, I picked it up on like DVD, and mm-hmm. I thought, oh yes, exactly. And it was just it was too drawn out, and there wasn't enough going on. Yeah, it was just a real greasy Ray Liotta. You had Jason Statham with full head of hair. I because you played like a is that like a, an an illusionist or something in Vegas. Mm. I'm sure that was some of them storyline. Uh, I I would revisit it, like, but uh, I do remember being disappointed. But I think yeah. Snatch was just too good. That was probably the issue. Where it's like, and the thing is, he's done a whole rake of fucking Madonna videos and a film with Madonna. Oh yeah. Like some whilst we're sw- slept away or something, and it's on IMDb. It was fucking panned, but of course he is fucking. Uh, Madonna, basically. Yeah. Isn't it? Are they still 
Married? I don't think they are. Well, uh, they were at some point, yeah. weren't they? Aye, it was that quite was like, famous. That was like the big like, Hollywood couple at the time and stuff. Totally. So, um, now, who steals the film for you? Because um, that said, there's a lot of fucking characters. Yeah. See, for me, I'm kind of torn between Rory and... Uh, fucking uh, Gary. Yeah. Just like, just like, just like, just like a wee small time fucking, like, cause was it the rob fucking post offices and exact cars steel and stuff cars. Like that. Aye, because that's in their introduction scene. There's are fucking strip clubs and they're just they can't even look at fucking <laughs> Barry because they're too looking at the fucking tits and the girl behind them. But I, I think I think if I had to get the one, it would probably be Rory just because. Obviously, he's, he's introduced halfway through it, and then he ends up being like a force to be reckoned with, aye, especially for dog. He, he's the one that's kind of like supplying the drugs and that, and he's the one yeah. that's like they're making the drugs first. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just it shows when it shows you that um, reaction he has when the guy tells him to turn the telly down. Oh, he takes a fire extinguisher, goes outside, and then goes and buys like glass or like whatever alcohol and aye, just like vodka or something and spits just... it in the guy's face and just sets him on fire aye it's like one of those things that it sounds like a story that fucking guy Richie heard in his local or witnessed in his fucking local yeah. back in when he was a fucking kid and he's like one day I'm gonna turn that into a fucking film like that's someone's backstory right there yeah uh, I think Barry the Baptist who's my favourite guy of this film just because he just is it's just the living thing Mm. It's just the scariest <laughs> fucking current going. Like, he's just cast so fucking perfectly in this film. Every time he's on the fu- in the fucking scene, on the phone with his big he's hand. Just shooting scenery, yeah. Aye. Scary bastard. It was a fucking shame that he, he fucking died right after this. Yeah. On IMDb, he had like nine credits. And one of them was fucking Fifth Element. He's a police uh. officer in Fifth Element. I can easily say that I've not seen The Fifth Element in probably about 10 years. Uh, and it's one that I've been wanting to rewatch for ages, uh, but could you find it anywhere? No. Uh, I mean, it would probably fucking hold up. Like, imagine if Arrow released Fifth Element. Uh, like, fucking Chef Kiss. That would be a, like a pre-order straight away. Yeah. But look, best on it, I reckon. They've never released anything similar to that in the past. So... Um, running time I mean this film was paced quite well a lot was going on so it didn't feel like a drag yeah an hour, hour 45 aye something like that I do know that there is a director's cut uh, which I did look at some of the scenes but like one of them it was um, I think it was like an alternative intro but you had Bacon doing like a card game where it's like the three card shuffle thing ah. So when I had it on DVD, it got re-released as like a two-disc edition. I right. don't know if that was a director's cut, and I can't remember. Aye. If that was a... I mean, maybe that was just an alternative ending as a, like an added feature, but... Aye, possibly. And rewatchability, this film was an easy watch. I mean, come on. Aye. It, it's probably one of those ones where... Sure, Snatch is probably more rewatchable than this, but the fact if it was on, I probably would... Keep it on. 
Now, in the top 250, we mentioned it sits at 143. It is sandwiched in between a bridge on the River Kwai at 142. And it is ranked above Casino at 144. Hmm. So, and, I mean, they're two two different beasts, but it's kind of like the criminal underworld in Vegas. Then, like... Criminal underworld in fucking like London. Yeah, I so, think because we covered the casino member. We did. The yes. Year before, um, and I mean it was it's a long film. It's like almost exactly. three hours. Aye. I mean it's a good film. It's just as it's hard to get any. It's, to be honest, I think if people give you the option of Goodfellas or Casino, I would probably choose Casino. Aye. Aye, I feel I'm, I'm more of a Casino guy in I mean, that. maybe because like, I've, I mean, I've seen Goodfellas fucking countless times. Yeah. I've maybe seen Casino all the way through, maybe three or four times. Like, when we were watching it, I'm sure I text you saying I completely forgot that James Woods was in it. Yeah. And I, and I thought James Woods was fucking brilliant in it. Aye, because that's you've got... Sharon, a young Sharon Stone, and that's a casino's more De Niro's. Well, film now, that's because Ray Leo is not in it, but whereas like Goodfellas is Ray Liotta's. Yeah. Aye. It was like a, an ensemble cast. Well, they both are, but. Yeah. I'm rambling now. Now. BBT, but first, I'm actually needing a quick slash. So. I'll be back. BBT? Uh, aye, yeah. Um, let's see. It was hard to get an actual, like, an actual, like, figure of, like, what it, like, took. Mm-hmm. Um, but budget was sitting at a nice, tidy trim at 1.3 million. Nice. Ah, I didn't think it was going to be much, like, more than really 1 million. Yeah, and, like, when I typed it in on Google... It was it comes up with a budget and then it just says worldwide gross was sitting at twenty eight point one mil. Jesus. Okay. No wonder yeah, when you fucking... go when you go on Box Office Mojo it just says uh, domestic. But that'd be American it, domestic. And it has it in dollars, which is yeah. like three million. Aye. So I mean it's a British film, it's gonna make all its money in Britain. Oh totally. Exactly. And especially like characters uh, like fucking Vinnie Jones was big pulling power. Yeah. Back then, because, well, he became fucking huge. Yeah. Uh, in the late nineties, anyway. Any uh, decent uh, trivia? Yeah. Um, so, we're talking about the the scene with Nat and Greek and the coffee table. Yes. Um. So when he puts the, when he breaks the coffee table, that wasn't actually in the script. <laughs> that just happened. So the fucking so, reaction on his face was yeah, genuine. So like they decided to keep it, and then they kind of just built on it. It was fucking brilliant. Um, Ray Winston was offered the role of Harry the Hatchet. All right. And it was the film debut for Jason Statham and Vinnie Jones. Hmm. I mean, the Harry the Hatchet character was good. Um, it, was, it was that shot, like see when he's like. Going to be dealing like his final hand and that, and like oh, the and camera. it's just the eyes, yeah. the reflection in the eyes. It is, and the music. 
It is fucking that. That is. Uh, it reminds me of some sort of fucking music I heard in like Kill Bill or somewhere. It's just like din mm. din din din, and it's, it is. It's fucking Barry in the office and that when he loses the reception. Ah, he's going fucking nuts, and no wonder. It's just the fact that it escalates. Whereas like, okay, they only brought a hundred thousand pound, a hundred thousand pounds. Aye. To the fucking table, and he's fucking wound up it to a fucking million. It's all into the money. It's when it plays that we like montage sort of thing as the game transpires. <laughs> and the guy that fucking climbs out of the table, he, he, gets, he, chucked he gets chucked out in it, and he's just absolutely chanting. But then he just casually walks off. Ah, he's like, right, just okay, regain my composure, walk it off. <laughs> but it, it's the shot where Eddie realizes he's lost it all, and he's now almost like a camera trapped his chest and he's just walking and yeah, he's like just, just in a daze it's like he's been like dealt a heavy blow well, that's it a big fucking financial blow <laughs> right uh, Amazon one star reviews uh, obviously we like to encourage our listeners to visit filmsandswearing.com click on the Amazon link and do your shopping on Amazon via Films and Swearing we get a little commission from your sales and it's just a nice Effective way to support films and swearing, and it doesn't cost you anything extra when shopping at Amazon. So, Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels had uh, 373 reviews altogether. 28 were one-star reviews, and really 20 of them were just complaints about the fucking DVDs and Blu-rays. So the actual only genuine reviews I've found, I've got three here. First one from Barb, one-star one word, old. Oh, yep. okay. Uh, Han has written a review at the title, Lame British Movie. His review, headline describes it all. Thanks, Hans. Alright. And our last review from someone called Hawk. And the title of his review, Regurgitated. He writes, if you enjoy own brand supermarket baked beans, then you will probably enjoy this. What the fuck, Hawk? Is that I'm like taking a dig at like the fact that it's been made on a shoestring budget or? Aye, because that's it. just because it's not an expensive looking film. It's just fucking regurgitated fucking no frills baked beans. Yeah. Settle, pal. So yes, that was some of the atrocious one-star reviews. Next time on Films and Swearing, we will be covering Roman Polanski's Chinatown. Which will be interesting, because I think I haven't seen it. I don't believe you've seen it. No. And I'm not sure about Andy, but I probably has a guess that he hasn't seen it either. Yeah. So that will be an interesting episode. I hope it's good. It's got fucking Jack Nicholson in it. Yeah, it's always been one of, like, when you talk about like, Jack Nicholson films, that's always one that yeah. gets thrown up in the air a lot. Mm-hmm. And also, we encourage us, encourage yous to follow us on social media at FAS Podcast. Uh, that works for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Fucking, I was about to say Amazon on that last one, but no. <laughs> And, I mean, fucking, other than that, Mike, you got anything else you want to add? Nah, that's pretty much it. 
Okay, doke. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, fuck off and tune in next week. Do you see, I mean, have you dared hazard a, a look at the reviews for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Um, I, I didn't see it that. It was trending last night. Yeah. I'll... It must have had its Cannes premiere. Yeah, it's had its Cannes premiere. Um, so, some reviews are out. Yeah. I've, I've kind of, like, scanned headlines, but I was like, I really, the less I know about the film, the better. That second trailer's kind of like, I feel I've seen enough now. Yeah. Aye, it's like, end of June or end of July? August. August here, shit. Mm, August. It's, I think it might be end of July in America. Yeah. Aye, we're always late when it comes to Tarantino films. but Yeah, I think it'll be a Kino Glen with this. Yes. A, a push. Exactly. I'll, I'll not they're, be here. Aye, they're yeah. not going to show that one locally. But uh, I didn't notice... There must be um, a Bong Joon-ho film. Um, he, I'm, I'm guessing he's at Cannes because just a trailer just been posted online for a new film by him called Parasite, and it's just supposed to be described as an intense, disturbing masterpiece. And Bong Joon-ho was the director of um, Snowpiercer and uh, Okja. Memories uh, of Murder, like those South Korean films. So Parasite, I, I didn't watch the trailer, but it's it's got Song Kang Ho as the lead again. Uh, uh, so, because I'm for a second there, I was about to say I saw the devil, but that's uh, Kim Ji Woon yeah. as a total different beast. But yeah, some new films coming out. I was I was on Twitter and, that, and some folk were saying that like. Some guy that's like notorious for like, like, like not liking a lot of films. Mm. Apparently, he has given Once Upon a Time in Hollywood like a solid nine out of ten. Shit. So I'm just kind of like on the trailer. I kind of also shows. Yeah, it's like full circle, like with fucking what's his name, Leo DiCaprio's character, like he's. First trailer, like an acting god. This one, he's it's like he's a, a klutz, a has been. Yeah. He cries himself. And I mean, it's good that you got you got like a wee bit of everybody. You got Kurt Russell. You get fucking yeah. Al Pacino. Aye. You get the boy that's playing Charlie Manson. Yeah, he, he looks the fucking spitting image of King Speech, dude. I want to say Clive, but I don't think it's Clive. Oh, fucking... Fucking Harry for Kingsman. Colin Farrell. Yeah, Not Colin Firth. Farrell. Colin Firth. Yeah, he looks like a young Colin Firth. Hmm. It's just like that look on his face and those fucked up eyes. Uh, He's got those big fucking black eyes. I was like, this, this is a scary character. And every time I watch that trailer, I forget fucking Kevin Smith's daughter's. Aye, because he tweeted about it. He's posting it like a proud father. Yeah. So. The fact that she was in a Tarantino film and he's no. (laughs) Aye.
I reckon what Kev would fucking do in a Tarantino film unless he's see the person that selling drugs outside. That fucking is trying to connect Kurt Russell's character for Death Proof. Right. To be linked with the, his character in uh, this. Ah. What, in case it's like a stunt driver in fucking Hollywood? Yeah, because like, within Death Proof, stunt my mate taught us about like. He got like stunt jobs for like his brother yeah. in Hollywood and all that. And right enough, he was fucking talking to Brad Pitt's character, who is a stuntman. Yeah. Uh, timelines probably kind of match up because it's <coughs> they're sitting texting on the phones, so he's he's older, he's past his heyday by then. And yeah. on IMDb, because I took a screen cap and posted it on our Facebook page saying. We got our first look at Kurt Russell, yeah. and I was about to say Kurt Russell's character, blah blah blah. And you go on IMDb, his character's not got a name listed yet, and like, oh, so it might be a fucking secret re- reveal for stuntman uh, Mike. Like, that would be like a. To use the fucking wrestling term, I would fucking pop in the cinema if that is fucking stuntman Mike. Yeah, it was like fucking Korg showing up in Endgame. Oh, I know. Like, I could just imagine you watching the film going, <gasps> I know. So, it's like, that would be amazing if it is, but, and then he's, he's, he's done that before where he's kind of stitched his films together with the Archie Hickok's character and fucking, um, along with Oswaldo Mowbray. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's like the great-grandfather of fucking uh, Thingley's character, uh, Michael Fassbender's character in Glorious Bastards. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, it's not a stretch. Yeah. It'll be impressive if that theory's right. I never actually thought of that. But, it's not too long to wait now. Yeah. Sitting at a nice, healthy 2 hour 40 minute mark as well. That, that's decent, that's uh, tight for him. That's, I would... Well, what was... Actually. Hopefully it was 2 hours 47 or something like that. Mm. Um, and that's his longest. Yeah. Was it Glorious with like 2, two hours 20 or something? Aye. Oh, fucking have stuff like this running. 